Hey guys, Steve Trevino here, and thank you for joining us on another podcast of Steve and Captain Evil. Obviously, today it's just Steve, but we do have a very special guest. Somebody, uh, well, first of all, let me go back um, and thank our sponsors, Aztec Chevrolet. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Give those guys a chance. Old Salt Coffee. If you're drinking coffee, just order it. Have it sent to the house. Veteran-owned and operated company, Old Salt Coffee. And you should be listening to this podcast on Picked Cherries. So download the app for us. So, sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit everywhere, guys, and I, I apologize for that. We, um, it is just me today, and it has been a very, very rough week for the Trevinos. Um, I know we announced that Daddy Raymond's cancer um, had gone into remission and that we were safe. Um, last week, it is not in remission, and it's now found its way into his brain and his spinal cord. Uh, so right now, as we speak, um, Renee is at MD Anderson trying to get answers with her father. Um, her sister came in from Japan uh, and her brother, and they're trying to figure out what the plan of attack is um, and what's going to happen. So that's why Renee is in here. Now, coincidentally, uh, Renee and I were supposed to be doing an interview with a fellow comedian um, named Maz Jobrani, and it worked out that since Renee's not here, well, today, Maz is going to be my co-host. We have a very interesting conversation about um, kids, about life, about um, touring, about, um, you know, just a little bit of everything. And, and coincidentally, you know, Maz and I, have, we found that we have very similar paths, that we are um, very the same. I, I will tell you that, you know, Maz, I can't say it enough. You know, Maz, if you ever hear me not say anything at all, it's because I have nothing nice to say. That's why. So, but when I have something nice to say, I like to share it. You know, I like to talk about it. I like to let that person know that I do admire them, that I do think they're great because... Maz uh, is, is a little older than me. He got to the comedy store before I did. And he was one of those people that was always very genuine, which is hard to find, uh, especially in that town. He was always very kind to me, always had a moment to chat with me and to talk comedy. Um, I admired his comedy because it was, it was very down to earth, very conversational. He's very, very good at what he does. And we they reached out and said, hey, Maz would like to be um, on the Stephen Captain Evil podcast. So, man, we were all about it. And I'm so happy to share him with you. If you don't know who Maz Jabrani is, man, go ahead and look him up. The guy has seven specials from Amazon Prime to Peacock TV to Netflix. And he like myself, decided to go directly to YouTube. So his new specials on YouTube, I want you to know that you know me and him are very similar when it comes to our approach um, with stand-up, yet very different. Um, and man, I, you know, I'm recording this after I already chatted with him. So uh, it was so cool to catch up with him. And I was asking him questions that, that when you're at the comedy store, you really can't ask those questions. You really can't ask somebody, hey, tell me about your life. 
at the comedy special, it gave me an opportunity to learn a little bit more about Maz. Um, I think, I think he drops some wonderful wisdom. Um, I think that he is a very, very smart individual. Um, I considered him a big brother type back then. And because he has older kids and he is older, after this conversation, I still consider him uh, a big brother type. So amazing comedian. Um, I thought it was a wonderful conversation. We're all going to miss Renee. We're all going to miss Captain Evil today. I miss her desperately. She's been um, out of the house for several, several days now. And, and it has been me and the kids um, going at it alone. Um, and we just, we miss mom. The kids miss mom. I miss my wife. But we're going to do what we have to do. And, and we all miss her. Feel free to send her a message um, to let her know that you're thinking about her. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this conversation with me and Maz. I enjoyed it. And we appreciate you guys continuing to watch and love us and care about us. Here's me and Maz Jobrani. Steve. Is that Mr. Jobrani? How are you, sir? Good, buddy. How you doing? I love it, man. I'm doing great. Well, well I'm lying to you. We... We have my wife is normally my co-host, but my father-in-law has had had survived cancer, and and now it's back in his brain and his spinal cord. So oh man, and, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, she's over there in MD Anderson trying to get everything sorted out. So uh, it's me and you solo today. I hope you don't mind. I know it's better to have a pretty face, but um, <laughs> it, it, it kind of worked out that, that you are our guest because you can be my co-host today. Yeah, I'll be your co-host. And again, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I've I've had cancer in my family. I know it's hard. And uh, just sending you guys uh, my thoughts on all that, man. Man, I appreciate you, dude. Well, let's get into it. And then, as you know, producer Rick is on at the moment. And then after we're done, leave the computer open, let it download so that we can get the stuff. You know the deal. So, um, cool. Are you guys in Houston? Where are you located? I'm south of Austin, Texas in uh, New Braunfels. Yeah. Um, but we'll jump right into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pre-record a uh, intro, um, so we'll just get into it. But I am so happy that that you reached out. There are, uh, if I'm being honest, and we like to be honest on the podcast, there are people that I just didn't like in in <laughs> at, 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 in the comedy scene. Um, nothing nothing against them. I just I just never I never really. I, I was just a different person, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. when it came to, I wanted a wife, I wanted kids, I wanted yeah. a very normal life. And I remember you were ahead of me. So I remember when you were talking about being married and the kids, and I, I just want to know, how have you made it work through your career? Well, um, yeah, man, people ask that all the time in terms of, you know, people that aren't in the business to go, how do you go on the road and come back and, and be with the kids so and your wife. So I think there's a couple of things. One thing that I learned um, early on, I used to do, you know, it's always this balance, whether it's us or it's not, it, even if you're not in the business. I remember I heard Mark McGuire, uh, for those people who don't know, Mark McGuire, the famous baseball player, he was on the Oakland A's 
and in his first marriage, and he said that he regretted being so um, engulfed in his career because he said he felt like he missed the youth of his kids when he was on the A's. And he said when he later on in life, he realized, I want to also experience my kids as they grow up. And anyone who's got kids knows it goes fast. You want to be present as much as you can. Um, and also, you know, with your wife, I mean, you want to, that's where like date nights and all that stuff comes in. You got to, you got to make the time. So what early on in my career, what I would do is I would, I would always have uh Sunday, I would add a Sunday night show. If I were doing a weekend at a club, like say Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd try and add a Sunday and make it for 14, 14 and older so people could bring their kids. And then um, I, I lost my brother to addiction in 2014. And I remember being uh, at his funeral and it hit me like life is short. And I thought, you know what? When I don't come home on Sunday, I'm basically missing the whole weekend. So from then I started to make sure that if I was going out of town, um, I would either do Thursday, Friday, Saturday and out and take the latest flight out on Thursday. I mean, I'm sorry, the earliest flight on Thursday. So I don't miss, you know, so I could be home as much as I could and then be back on the earliest flight Sunday. So there's a lot of times where I'm landing exhausted from the night before, but I'm like, I got to hit, I got to run. And, and, and then I try to be, uh, you know, as present as possible. Uh, with my kids and uh, my wife and but, my family. So. But kind of going back to, and, and I have those moments in my life where there's there's things that happen and and I think there's two kinds of people. There's the kinds of people that, that somebody like close to you, like your brother passes and you go, well, man, life sucks and that sucks and whatever. Or there's the kind of person that I like to say that I am and it, and it seems like that you are that you go, hey, I'm going to reflect on this moment and take a moment to kind of go, Hey man, what is life all about? You know, and, and then adjust from the lesson learned, if you will. Well, I think, I think you can have a little bit of both because um, I also would be lying if I were, if I were to say that I don't think like, wow, life sucks because I lost my brother there. I lost my sister to breast cancer later. Um, and, and then now we're getting at that age, Steve, where, we're losing more and more people. I just was at um, uh, a memorial for another gentleman I knew who was 69. That's not that's not old. I mean, it's not that old. I mean, it's it's older, but it's not. It was sudden the way it came on. Um, we both know David Arnold, our friend David Arnold, who passed away. I mean, you just don't know, right? So on the one hand, I sit there and I go, like I spoke at this friend's memorial, and I said, you know, you're 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 also thinking. What there, there's there's got to be like it makes me every time somebody good or close dies, I go, I lose my faith in, in religion more. I'm, just, I'm like, there's got they can't be like there is no God because there's a lot of really bad people that are living to an older age. And meanwhile, we've got these beautiful people that are passing away. And so on the one hand, I go, life sucks. Uh, but on the other hand, I go, what, what you just said, I go, well, what am I going to do about this? What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and. Uh, be present more. I'm going to try and engage more. I'm going to try and spend more time with friends, family, uh, do stuff that I want to do. You know, we, we, I, I got into comedy late in life. I got into comedy at 26. Um, and, uh, and, um, I, uh, I, 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 and, and it took me, my parents kind of didn't want, didn't want me to do this because of the immigrant background, but it took me till 26 to realize you live once, you got to do what you got, what you want to do. 
And so there's a lot of stuff that you and I still want to do probably. Like one of those for me is like playing a musical instrument and I keep putting it off. And I'm like, well, I'll be on my deathbed going, I never did it. So I got to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know? So you take the lessons you can, but you also can be uh, angry and upset about the idea of life is not fair, I think. Well, I mean, but that's what I also, and, you know, I always, I was, like I said, you were at the comedy store before me and, and you were one of those guys that, that I always admired your very smooth approach to comedy and your very, um, God, what's the word? A very, it's a very honest portrayal of, of who you are. And I don't know, now that you told me you started at 26, do you think that, I mean, of course it's a blessing and a curse, but do you think that that led to your style that you were a little older? And at that time, were you already married? Were you already dating your wife? Where were you? Um, I met my wife shortly after I started stand-up comedy. Um, yeah, you, you know, they say that your brain develops by like, in, by like your mid-20s. So it's possible I was a little more mature and I'd seen a little bit more and I just, it, but, but also I, I think for me, like I don't consider myself a joke writer, although I love to sit in the back and, you know, if I come up with a tag or something for a comedian, offer it, or if I'm in a writer, you know, if we're, if we're messing around with comedians, you try to be funny and that's basically joke writing. Um, or, or I do this like, um, NPR show called wait, wait, don't tell me where we make fun of the week's news or anytime I'm a panelist on something. That's joke writing, but I don't I don't feel like that was my strength coming into it. My strength was performing and being on stage, and then realizing, oh, the best way for me to write. I mean, this is everyone finds their own way, but the best way for me to write is to talk about my life, and that's why I've been able to have like I just put out my seventh special. Does that mean I'm a prolific writer? No, it just means that my life changes, and material comes my way as my life changes. Now, a lot of the themes are the same, you know. Growing up an immigrant, parenting, some of my politics, all that stuff. If you look at the material, you'd be like, oh, there's a lot of similar themes. Um, but but I think I, I, I learned like, you know, I, I love watching when you hear anybody tell a personal story and you sit there and you go, oh, wow, that's oh, that's great. You know, like I, I remember I watched Brent Morin. I, I don't really nowadays when we're at comedy shows, we don't really, you know, we don't sit in the back and watch the other comedians as much. We're always like out talking, but I'd happen to be in the main room and Brent Morin was doing some bit about his brother who I think he's talked about how his brother is gay and, and, and he had all this material about it. And it was very, it was very um, endearing and funny at the same time. And again, I don't, I don't know Brent that well. I just know him from the comedy clubs, but I had to go take him aside and go, dude, that was fantastic. Like, I just love that, you know? Well, that's what I loved about about you. I, I always felt very, um, it was a very soothing, comfortable um, experience when you were on stage and, and, you know, with laugh out loud moments, but you always gave me a little in, uh, perspective as being, again, and, and I'm not saying that we're that much older, but you were a little older than me and, I was watching you like, oh, and, and because I always wanted to have a family. I always wanted to be married and, and I did fall in love with my wife and I would watch him go, oh, wow, man, that must be really cool. Because when we were hanging out at the comedy store, your kids were very little and you were, yeah. you were getting into, you know, the minivan stories and, the, you know, all that great stuff. And, and like you said, you know, the, the material evolves and, you know, our podcast that we do here in my wife is, is really about the relationship between husband and wife. So how does your wife, well, first of all, is your wife 
in the business and how did you guys meet? No, my wife's not in the business at all. My wife is actually, um, she was, so I first met her uh, when I was first starting out. And I was, I, at the time I had a day job at an advertising agency and she was working at a high end law firm in Los Angeles. Um, she had just moved to LA from New York and my, one of my best friends worked at that law firm and it was my birthday. And he said, oh, a girl's coming from my law firm to join us. And he wasn't trying to set us up because I just gotten out of a four-year relationship. So he knew I wasn't looking for anybody and he didn't know her well enough to be. Well, so four, let's go back to that. So four years and then it just ends. Was there? Yeah. So I was in this relationship with this other girl for four years and you know, we, we were, I was in my younger twenties and it was one of those things where it was, it was like a lot of like, there was, there was a lot of lust probably. And there was a lot of, I will say it was young and it was like, I, I, I listen, if I were more mature and she were more mature, the previous relationship, we probably would have gotten together and been like, look, you know, this is up and down, up and down. Let's just separate, you know, but there was a lot of like, oh, I love you. And then like, I, I can't stand you. And then I love you. And I, you know, so it was, it was a little bit like that, a little tumultuous, but, but, but four years know, is that a, was early 20. Four years is a long time. It is a long time. It is a long time. And, um, and that's why when I got out of it, I thought, oh, okay, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to live the bachelor life for a little bit. And that lasted three months. Cause I always say, I always say you, you meet the person when you least expect it. So I was at my birthday and, uh, in LA and I didn't expect this beautiful woman to walk into my life. And she's beautiful physically. She's this Indian woman. And I love like the exotic look. And she came over and started talking to my friend and I'm like, is that the girl? And, and it was, and, and then, and then she had a great sense of humor cause she sat we were in a booth at some like hot nightclub that we had to get in like early to get the seats, like me and my buddies. Cause you know, with guys, you can't all just get in. So we got like dinner reservations. <laughs> like, we showed up, we showed up when the staff was showing up, you know? Right. Anyway, um, she was sitting across uh, diagonally across and, and I was joking and she's from India originally. And I jokingly, I was like, I was a little drunk. I go, oh, are you Indian? Like, woo, 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 or Indian? Like, you know, dot. And, and she kind of laughed and she said, yeah, I'm Indian. Woo, woo, woo. And, and then she turned to my friend and she goes, what an effing moron. And my friend <laughs> what goes, a dick. She just called you. Yeah. And my friend goes, dude, she just called you a moron. And I go, oh my gosh, she's got a sense of humor. And I high-fived her and then started talking to her. And I'm like, wow, she's, she's funny. She's smart. And then we just, uh, like that night, I was like, you know, I was saying I, I'd intended to be living this bachelor life, but all of a sudden in my mind, I was like, I want to go on a date with this girl. So I told her, I said, let's go to dinner sometime and all that. So we hit it off there, but she's someone who is not at all. She doesn't like it. it the irony of it is that I don't have like matinee idol looks. Like I don't have the front of the camera looks. I have behind the camera looks. <laughs> she's got front of the camera looks. She's a beautiful woman, but she hates being in front of the camera. And I love being in front of the camera. So whatever the difference is, it is, and so she's not in this world at all, um, you know. So that's 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 how. But you know that makes a lot of sense because I've always felt like you're you're, you're uh, you know I like I said I had a hard time in Hollywood and and it people felt very Hollywood. You never did. Yeah. You never did. Yeah. And and I guess you would attribute that probably to her maybe. I would attribute it to maybe a little more like you were saying earlier, maybe getting into the business early, I'm sorry, later in life and being a little more mature than like if I were maybe in my teens and gotten in and, and, and felt that pressure. I mean, we all feel the pressure of, you know, especially nowadays with social media and how many views do you have and the algorithms and all that crap. But, but in terms of just like 
being a human being, I think like a lot of times I, I, I just go, there's no people go, you're, you're very nice. I go, there's no reason not to be nice. First of all, I'm doing what I love doing. I mean, I really had to battle to get to this with my parents. Like my parents really were, they, they weren't, they weren't, um, you know, dictators, but they were definitely traditional, not religious, but traditional in that they'd come from Iran. They brought us from Iran. I, I left when I was six and we grew up in America. And in their minds, especially back then, it was like, okay, you get a job, lawyer, doctor, engineer, something like that. And, you know, and, and you have a secure life. And that was it. And so from the age of 12, when I first became, was a fan of Eddie Murphy's and I got on stage and I did a play and, and, and the director said, you've got what it takes. From then on, I was like, I want to do this. And then every time I came upon another teacher or director, they'd be like, you've got what it takes. And my parents would show up at the shows. And I remember one time the director was like, your son could really do this. And my dad, oh, thank you very much. And then we get in the car. My dad's like, that bitch is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't listen to her. Hey, 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 so, Maz, excuse me for one second. It's my wife. And as you know, the situation. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Hey, baby, I'm on with Maz, baby. Everything okay? I'll call you right back. Okay. Thank goodness. Everything's okay. Um, good, you know, and, and Maz, it's so funny you say that because, you know, I, I have Im immigrant parents as well. And, but, you know, my father is a, a Vietnam veteran, tough guy, like a real tough guy. And man, when I would invite him, like, dad, I'm doing the follies. And he's like, oh, my, my son, what? Yeah. My only son wants to wear makeup and yeah. go on stage, you know? Yeah. And yeah. what are you, a fruitcake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that is something else that, that we have to overcome. Yeah, so when in overcoming that, that's where like once I once I overcome that in my mind, and it's not just my parents, because my parents, I almost feel like played the whole community against me. Meaning what? Like when I first started doing stand up, there was no one else from my background doing it. That doesn't mean I was some groundbreaker. It just means it just means generationally, I was in that middle place where I saw this I saw this way of doing things that was different than everyone else. And, and I wanted to do it differently. I wasn't like, oh, I, I'm going to be the Jackie Robinson of this. It was more like, no, I just want to do it. I wasn't even thinking about that. But at that time, my mom would like talk about, you know, telling her friends like, oh, convince him he's, he's lost his mind, you know. So I felt like the whole community and also the Persian community, and I don't know how the Mexican community is, but it's like there's, it feels like, like they used to say like, you know, we have a name in the community, don't ruin our name. So somewhere in the back of my mind, I felt like I was being judged always. I had to, I had to live up to some standard that everyone was trying to live up to. Meanwhile, behind closed doors, when you grow up, you realize behind closed doors, everyone's just got a lot of effed up shit going on. But period. But at that point, so when I, once I rebelled and did what I wanted to do, I felt free. And then and then it took me a while to be able to feel like I could curse on stage. I didn't I, I, I didn't want to curse because I was like I'd been taught that like, you know, if you're you know, well behaved person doesn't curse. And now and, and then I remember specifically one night my friends uh one of my good friends' moms, who was around the age of my mom, uh came to the comedy store with her friends to watch a show and I'd forgotten she was in the audience and I and I and I did a couple of you know, cursed a couple of times. And then I remember she was there. I was like, oh, my God, my friend's mom is here. I'm so sorry I cursed. I didn't mean to. Here I am, a grown man, <laughs> apologizing. apologizing. And it was, but, but then I realized, and then she was laughing. She didn't care. And I realized, you know what? Nobody cares. Just do you. This is like, there's a lot worse stuff in the world than saying a bad word. And just, and so having done that, now I feel like, like anytime anything comes up or somebody wants, like now if some, you know, 
a troll comes on and goes, oh, you're this, that, you shouldn't say this or that. I'm like, I have to deal with the biggest obstacle ever. So you're nothing to me. Like, I, I'm not even worried about this. And then you, go ahead. No, no, I was saying, it's, just, it's just crazy how similar, you know, me and you are because same as you. Well, I just wanted to do stand-up. You know, I had no idea that when I started stand-up, there was no famous Mexican-American comics. I mean, we had one, you know, Paul yeah. Rod and Paul Rodriguez, you know, wonderful comedian, nice guy. Yeah. He wasn't even that famous. But yeah. I also think that ignorance is bliss because, you know, had I looked, had I had I had this brain, I don't know if I would have started because if I would have known all the obstacles that we have to overcome, you know, but, but like you said, there's something to the, I just want to do stand up. It's yeah, I, I just want to. Yeah, and and you feel like you know if enough people tell you no, no, no. If being able to 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 defy those people is a big, it's a big moment in your life. Just just to do it. Now the success part of it is a separate thing. That's icing on the cake because now those same people that in my mind were saying no are be you know fans and they're like oh this is great and, and there's more and more people doing it which is a great thing and i don't even know if in their minds they thought they were saying no in their minds they were trying to tell you what they thought was the right thing to do but that's like with my kids now i encourage them i'm like just do whatever you want i don't care what you do just do something like i was talking about you know my kids are teenagers now my wife were talking about about them growing up and i think a big thing in life is finding a purpose you have to find a purpose and I've always said find a passion, but it's not even about your passion. It's about a purpose. That purpose might be something that you didn't even know was was something you could do. So it could be helping others. It could be entrepreneurial. It could be whatever it is. If you've got a purpose where you're like waking up and going, I got to go do this. So for us, you know, no matter what our day had, we always knew that night we were going to go do 10 minutes at some bar or restaurant or whatever. So we looked forward to that the whole day. Yeah. And then when we got there, it was like, oh, I did. Well, you know, and, it, and it, you know. it's funny, Maz, you say that because I recently had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours, and, and I will not uh, divulge that name because I just, I don't like talking about comics, you know. Um, yeah. But that particular comic called me up and he said, you know, Steve, I, I'm going into rehab. He goes, and, you know, I just wanted to tell you, man, I just want what you have. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, man, you got a wife, you got kids, you know, man, I just want that. And, and I, I, you know, it, it goes back to what you were saying about purpose, right? He's going to rehab because the only purpose he has is stand-up. The only thing yeah. he loves is stand-up. And when the stand-up's yeah. over, as you know, we're in a hotel room by ourselves. Yeah. And it gets really lonely, right? And yeah. if, you're, if you're a single guy, then you hook up with some dumb girl and then now you're even more lonely because you're like, oh, God, what did I do? Right. Um, yeah. But for me and you, my purpose is I want to be a great stand up comedian. Now I want it to provide for my family and I got to get back home. Yeah. You know, I got to get yeah. back home and be the best dad I can be, the best husband I can be, the best um, president person I can be. And that purpose does matter. Because it does, you know, because I was a heavy drinker. I was a partier. I was, I was a mess. And had I not fallen in love with my wife to give me that purpose, I'd probably be checking into rehab as well. Yeah, listen, dude, it's easy. You know, we're surrounded by alcohol all the time. We're surrounded by drugs all the time. There's even times like, 
like this past weekend I did the Raleigh Improv and I've I've never considered myself um an alcoholic of any sort. Like my father was a functioning alcoholic. Um I am someone who if I drink like three or four nights in a row, I go, uh oh and I just kinda stop. Um and, and and again when I drink it's not like blackout drink. It's like two or three drinks and I'm like, ah, oh, it's too much. Also, by the way, I'm a little vain as I'm getting older. I'm like I see the belly. I'm like, oh God, yeah, and all that, all the wrinkles. So, but but even then, like like this past weekend, I was at the Raleigh Improv, and my opening act, Tehran, doesn't drink at all, and I wasn't drinking. Uh, Friday, Saturday, I wasn't I wasn't going to drink. But as I'm on stage doing my second show, I look in the audience and I kind of saw beer, and it was hot on stage, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get beer afterwards. And I literally, I had one beer at the end of the, after the show Friday, and I ended up having two beers at the show Saturday because that was the end of the weekend. But my point is we're surrounded by it. It's there. And I, you know, that for me, that was like simple. That's not a big deal. But if you're someone who's, who's, you know, got that gene and like you said, is looking to party, it's right there. And so it's easy to fall into that. Um, and, and by the way, you know, families aren't for everybody. But other things of purpose or other ways of putting your energies towards other things can be, whether that's working with a charity or like art or whatever you're doing that helps you focus your mind away from all the negative stuff that's there. Um, but but families are great. And, in, in, you know, I always said like, you know, I would go on an audition and if you if all you have going on that day is the audition, then you're just going to obsess about the audition. But if you have to like, as soon as you're done with the audition, you got to jump in the car, go pick up your kid, take him to soccer practice, and then go there, here, there, whatever. You've you're done with the audition. You forget about it. You're like, I'm busy with other stuff. Um, and you know, the other thing is, I was I watched this clip that was going viral. Somebody, this this guy asked the Dalai Lama. He goes, you know, there's a lot of mental health issues, and a lot of kids nowadays are suffering with depression and all the other stuff. And what would you say to them? And he said, you know, he said, I would encourage them to try and be altruistic. He goes, I'm the Dalai Lama, but I don't think of myself as the Dalai Lama because I'm so, too busy helping and thinking about others. Um, this is before he did the tongue, tongue yeah. with the kid. Yeah, before he went all Bill Cosby on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, if you have other things to focus on besides your career, whether you're a, you know, a, an attorney or a truck driver or a comedian, I don't care what it is, but we can all get obsessed with our with our work and everything going on in our work. That's why it's great to have other things driving you that bring you peace, you know, or 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 give you other purpose, whether it's your kids or it's some sort of exercise or whatever. So I think I think that that the way your family helped you, it definitely has helped me as well. Well, and I always talk about you know, and it sounds like your wife is very similar to mine. My wife has high standards, and my wife has high expectations. And there is no getting off the road and, hey, leave me alone. I'm taking a nap. My wife's like, no, 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 no. I've got activities. We got this for the kids. We've got, and there is no, you know, I can't come in and mail it in because she's like, no, you know, hey, I got, we got things to do. We raised our kids a certain way. No tablet time. We got this. We got the children's museum. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's go. And, And because of those high standards, Saturday night, people are like, you want to drink? I'm like, I can't. Yeah, there's no way yeah. I can drink. Wake up at three a.m. It's already one a.m. Be on the first flight out. Get to my wife and kids and function at the level that I, I expect myself to function at. Then the level that my wife expects me to function at. I can't drink. I gotta go. 
You know, and even though, as you know, I don't think there's a better energy than killing in front of your audience, the energy that's coming at you, the love that we get, you know, and you're, and you're man, you are so beloved, Maz. And I don't know if you know that. When I go to a, appreciate it. When I go to a club after you, the, the staff is on cloud nine. Oh my oh, God, wow. Maz was here. His people are the best. He's the best. He treats us great. You know, so you're so beloved. And when you're beloved like that, it's hard to come down. And it's hard to shut it down. Yeah, no, I, I, first of all, thank you for the kind words, but, but you're right. It is, it's, you know, you, you do like, it's interesting because I was trying to explain to somebody being a stand-up comedian is like having a movie come out every weekend. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you go to a town, you kill and you're like, oh my God, we sold great tickets. We sold out. Fantastic. As soon as you land Monday, you're getting a, a, a ticket report for the upcoming <laughs> town. And they're like, you've only sold 10 tickets. You're like, what? How could I sell, uh, you know? 2000 here and I'm only sold 10 there. Well, your demographics, whatever. And it's like, oh my God. Here we go again. Here we go again. And, and because of that, like you think like, oh, it would be great to go celebrate every time you have a win, but sometimes you don't have that time. Like you were saying, like, like I try, if I have a show that's like a big show, I try to see if I can, you know, you know, organize some kind of celebration around it. So like I'll do DC. That's one of my biggest, biggest shows i'll encourage my wife to come out with me make a weekend out of it and we have a good time you know um but other times as you said you know you might have a great weekend and you exactly like you just said it's like well i can't i can't go party every time i have a great weekend uh or every time i finish a weekend whether it's great or not um and i need to focus like you said to to show up be present um and and look it's it's a good thing. It can be exhausting, but it's a good thing. And also, by the way, it's great for material for us. It's like, you know, right. being, the, being like the exhausted husband and all that. And well, I always say things. that if, if I'm not living life, then I have nothing to talk about, right? Exactly. You know, if, exactly. If, if I'm in, in my room, you know, and which, again, you know, and I hate to harp on this, but watching you as I was coming up and I'm sitting there going, why is he so different? You know, you were talking about your family, your wife, you feeling like you're getting older, being competitive. I mean, I remember all the, and I'm sitting there going, why is this guy different when everybody else was, and, and no offense to that kind of comedy, it's, it's needed. And, and gosh, we, our friends are some of the biggest, most brilliant comedians in the world. However, like I said, you just had, for me, a very down to earth, very, <sighs> Almost middle America. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Northern California in, in the Bay Area. And I think I, I think part of it is, Steve, the more we talk about our lives, the more we realize how much everyone's got in common. So I've now had a chance, and I'm sure you have as well, to tour around the world. Because comedy now is worldwide. It's no longer just the 50 states. It's You can go all over the world. And if you do a joke about your kids in Sweden or in Saudi Arabia, or in Australia, or in Singapore, you're going to get the same laughs from people because they are going through the same thing as you. Now, of course, if I'm doing the jokes about my kids in front of a bunch of 17-year-olds, they might look at me and be like, what are you talking about, old man? Right. So that's a demographic thing. But even then, you could relate. You know, Even then, I've done shows in front of 17-year-olds, and I've like related it to either 
their younger siblings or to them and said, you guys are, have grown up in this generation and just had fun with them. So really, I think the more you talk about your life and the more people f- realize it's a sincere thing, you know, I'm not making it up. I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating the truth to make it funnier. Um, but um, but I honestly think that's what it is. I, I think, you know, and, and again, every time I see somebody, remember Freddie Soto, who I know was someone that we we both looked up to, you know, when he would talk about his dad and all the all the misunderstandings and all, I mean, it's just like I just sit in the back. I'd be like, geez, this is so funny. And it reminds me of my dad. And I wish I would have I wish I would have delved into what he delved into to find this gold, you know, and, and that's that's kind of what we um, we aspire to. But, but I feel like you are going in that direction. And, and you know, I've seen several of your specials. And, and I do got to tell you, man, when, when I'm in a. And and this is meant to be racist, but you know when I'm in an Uber and somebody <laughs> says, "Oh, you're a comedian," and I go, "Yeah," uh, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, "Oh, you know Marshall Brunny? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, yes, I do know him." Um, yeah. Does it feel good to almost represent an entire culture? Well, it's funny you say that. First of all, I always tell people I I I'll either get a call or a text from people either when they're in an Uber or they're at a doctor's office. <laughs> so that's my demographic. I got doctors and Uber drivers, um, and a lot of those Uber drivers are were engineers back home, and now they're driving Ubers. But um, I I tried to early on say I don't want to represent anybody. Like I'm representing me, and the reason I said that was because I didn't want to disappoint anybody because. I come from Iran. It's a Muslim country, but I'm not religious. Um, early on in my act, I would talk about discrim- discrimination against Muslims. I still talk about discrimination against Muslims or discrimination against anybody. If, if I see discrimination, uh, I want to talk about it. Um, but the Muslim stuff was hit home a little more because since we came to America in the early, you know, as soon as I arrived a year later, there was a hostage crisis. They used to call us F and Iranian. So stuff that I had to deal with. And so but then I realized, you know, I'm also somebody who um, I don't I'm, I'm not I'm not really religious. So I don't I don't pray five times a day. I don't fast during Ramadan. I drink alcohol. I eat pork, all that stuff. So I was like, I don't want to pretend to be Muslim and then ha- be drinking and have somebody reach out and go, you're not a good Muslim or whatever. Or or I don't want to like there was times where I would stand up for my friends in the LGBTQ community and I would get people on social media that were from a Muslim or Christian or religious background going, like, Oh, this is, this is disgusting. And I'm going, well, then I don't represent you because I'm very different. So I, I, I tried early on to say, I don't want to represent anybody. I just want to represent me. Um, just last year, there was the protests in Iran uh, when they killed this young girl named Massa Amini. She was this 22 year old girl whose hair was out of her hijab. The police arrested her and then killed her. And there was protests. And again, within the Iranian community, there was people that were fighting each other because we were all we were all against the Islamic regime because it's an autocratic government. But there was people in the diaspora who thought that they should be dealt with differently. And all of a sudden, people were like, "You're you're on you're a leftist, you're a rightist," and people were arguing and all that. And I was like, you know what? I can't sit here and try and argue with these people. I'm just gonna do my do me. And really, my social media at that point just became like a an activist social media i was just trying to talk about it as much as i could to try and help uh get the news into the american news um and i and and i i I admire you for that you know and and me personally i don't do politics 
I don't, I don't get out into the politics. Um, my cause is veterans. I take care of veterans. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when all this was going down, as a matter of fact, because I have so many fans from the East and from India and from Iraq and Iran and, you know, and I love them all and we get wonderful messages from them for me and my wife all the time. And people were asking me, please get involved. And I just chose not to, you know, yeah. and, and I would, I would always say, man, you know, I support my buddy Maz. And that was kind of my way of saying, Hey, I love what Maz is saying over there. And, and he's my friend. And so I, I admire you for that. Now, the last bit that I, that I would like to ask you, because you are like a big brother and this podcast is all about, you know, couples and raising kids and, and the things that we go through in our relationships. I will start off by telling a story. You know, me going on the road has become harder with my kids. Um, you know, my son is now seven years old. My daughter's two and a half. And my daughter really doesn't, doesn't know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. he wakes up one day, daddy's home. She wakes up another day. Where did daddy go? But he'll be back, right? Mm-hmm. My son has now become very, very aware. Mm-hmm. You know, my son is like, can I see the calendar? What, when are you gone? I need to know. And Maz, it has become so very hard for me. My, it's a two-part question, I guess. Is Number one, how do you cope inside and handle it? And then number two, what can I expect? Because your kids are older than mine as we move forward um, with this life and this career that we have. Uh, the way I cope is I drink and then your kids are going to be in rehab. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, um, you know, again, I go back to to what I said in the beginning. I think if you're able to, hopefully, if you're able to, um, you know, maybe be out of town one weekend, be in town the next, out of town, in town, take off certain periods of the year when they're around uh, for breaks. Like, so for for a while, what I was doing was I was able to go, you know, tour basically, let's say end of January to about June. And again, one weekend on, one weekend off. And then and then the summer would hit and I would try and find places we could go that we together. could go together. So so I took them to the Montreal Comedy Festival, I think twice. And and when we went, we we did the shows so that we were there for like three weeks. And so for three weeks we were at a hotel, they'd come backstage. I have pictures of them like hanging out with like Eric Griffin and Angelo Sarukis and uh, all these guys. Um, uh, just, just you know, they'd come with me, my wife. No, I, I do the same. Now, the thing that I do want to ask about what you're saying is, man, I get, you know, I get anxiety. When I miss a week, I, I man, I start getting this anxiety of like, my career is going to end. They're going to forget about me. I'm, I'm when you miss a week on the road, you mean? Yeah. Like, if I'm not working, I go, oh, my gosh. And, and I do well, miss, listen. you know, I'll miss Halloween. I'll miss Easter week, right? Stuff on 4th of July, you know, stuff like yeah. that. But there's something inside of me that gets this crazy anxiety. Well, listen, I've I've heard, I've been listening to different people. Like, I was listening to uh, Howie Mandel on uh, Rogan's podcast, and he was saying that, He's, he said, I got a, all kinds of stuff going on in my head, but he goes, working helps me stay away from the crazy in my head. Not the crazy, but like the issues, right? And, and a lot of us, I think, it made me reflect on myself. I go, wow, I, 
I work a lot too. Even when I'm in town, I make sure I get some sets in because it's kind of what you just said. I love being around the comedy club. And if I'm not at the comedy club and I'm, a, I'm at home, I sometimes feel like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, but there's a couple of things to, to keep in mind. Number one is, so if you can take them with you, that's great because now you're in a town and you're doing shows and your wife will come one night and then she won't the next and you know, you'll have off nights, whatever it is. So there's that aspect. The other aspect is to actually, actually book trips together. So like around Christmas a couple of years ago, and we try to do this all the time. Like this past year, we went to Yosemite. Uh, a few years back, we went to Japan for two weeks. Um, there's no comedy. It was just hanging out with the family. Um, there was, uh, we went to Columbia for spring break just recently. Again, there was no comedy. It was just hanging out with the family. What are we doing for dinner tonight? What museum we're going to let's go hang out. You know, it's just, so you make, you make time to be together in that kind of a setting. And you realize that, that this whole, uh, fear of missing out the FOMO ain't all that. Cause you're going to end up in the end of your life going like, Oh wow, I really didn't miss out on much because it wasn't going to it wasn't like you were going to be at one of these shows one night and all of a sudden Steven Spielberg was like Steve I've been looking for you and I found you at the you know <laughs> Chuckle Hut in Idaho no right just do your thing and of course listen there's finances come into play right if you have to work to you know provide which we all do that's a different thing and then also you think in your mind you're like how can I start making more passive income I just watched that um Air Nike movie, which by the way, I thought was okay. I've I've um I've read a lot about all that story I was, and stuff. I was excited to see Al Madrigal, and then he never came back. Yeah, that's what that must have been one of those like probably his part got cut, cut or something. Yeah, yeah. I go, ooh, Al, Al's in it, and then I'm like, me too. Where's he coming back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had that same and thought to see that but, move that, that Michael made. But but made. well, at the end, at the end, it said that Michael is estimated to make four hundred million passive income off of the Nike shoes every year, and I was like, "That's what I want." Yeah. Even if it's like four hundred dollars, I <laughs> we need more passive income so that we have the luxury of not having to be on the road all the time, and also then f not feel that heat. And then, by the way, where you are, I don't know how it is, but where I am in L.A. You know, at least like, for example, this weekend, I won't be on the road, but I'll be at the comedy store, Laugh Factory and Improv, getting in five, six sets, 15, 20 minutes at a time. And it's one of those where I'll be like, hey, I got to go, you know, leave, leave the house around seven o'clock, come home late. And then but I'm, I'm home. I'm not I'm not anywhere. So it, it, it's finding that balance, Steve, because it's like, you know, you don't want to be again, you don't want to be on your deathbed thinking you didn't give it your all for yourself and for your for your career but you also don't want to be on your deathbed going like i missed all this amazing stuff time that i could have spent like one of the things that i've been trying to do i i'm not a morning person i hate waking up in the morning but when i'm home i've been trying to uh, as much as i can drive my daughter to school because we get in the car she plays her songs we talk a little bit you know driving it's amazing how much quality time you actually spend with your kids when you drive them you know, yeah, absolutely. my son, my son is now as they approach teenage years, they will want less and less to do with you, which is actually natural. They should, uh, they should spend more time with their friends and become more independent. But my son recently, my wife had signed him up for some tennis tournament that was like an hour and a half outside of town. We got in the car, 
we started driving. We talked a little bit. We listened to some um, NPR. Like there was a profile on some guy. It was really interesting. We got to the tennis tournament and the guy goes, oh, no, today's the girls division. Tomorrow's the guys division. I was like, oh. And I wasn't that like upset about it. I told my son, I go, well, we kind of got to spend some time in the car and talk. That's great. Drove back. The next day, get up to go for the guys. And I look at the the uh, the weather forecast and it says it's going to be raining soon. So we called the tennis tournament and we go, hey, we're about to drive an hour and a half. Is it on? And the guy goes, it's on. We drive an hour and a half. As soon as we get there, it starts raining. Canceled again. And I told my son, I go, well, buddy, two days in a row, we get to spend time together. We were in cars. We were in a car, but we spent time. We got three hours of quality time together in the car, you know? Well, man, Miles, I, I, dude, I couldn't uh, be happier that you reached out and your people reached out because I'm a huge fan. And, and not only that, I, I think that that we are we are very different in our stand-up, but we're also very alike. And I think um, my audience probably already crosses over with your audience and they're absolutely going to fall in love with your stand-up because you are one of those guys that when you walked on stage at the comedy store, man, I, I admired, I wanted to see your set. You know, your your style of comedy is so down to earth, so real, so honest and, and super excited. Where can they find the new special? And then for the new fans, this is beautiful because they can go back and binge. Where can they find it all? Well, listen, man, first of all, thank you for the kind words and right back at you. I'm so happy to see your success. And uh, and it's always great because, like you said, we see each other's posters as we go into different clubs. And I'm always happy to see you as um one of the guys doing really well and, and proud of you for that. And um, and the new special is called The Birds and the Bees. It's on YouTube. It's the first special I put on YouTube. So people can go watch it, uh, give a comment, give a thumbs up, share it. As you know, there's a whole algorithm. I keep talking about this algorithm. I'm like, I'm like, just watch it, comment, whatever, and then let's get this algorithm going. Um, but that's the new special. And then I've got specials on Netflix. I got specials on Peacock TV. I've got specials that people can find all over the place. And I'm at Maz Jobrani, M-A-Z-J-O-B-R-A-N-I, across the platforms on all the socials. So hopefully people can check it out. By the way, those of you watching or listening, you know, I know Maz said earlier that he cusses. It, it's, it's, man, it, it is furthest from dirty or vulgar than you can imagine. You know, I'm the same way. I always tell people my stand-up is strong language. It's not gross and it's not dirty. You know? Absolutely. No, I, I agree 100%. Like, like I never, when people hit me up, they go, can I bring my kids? I go, listen, I recommend it for 14 and older because I know that they've heard this language before and then I'll leave it up to you. And some parents, especially immigrant parents, they'll bring like a six-year-old and I'll be like, what part of 14 and older do you not understand? And they're like, don't worry. I curse at him all the time. You know, like, okay. Um, but like you said, it's not lewd. It's not, it's not like nasty and uh and as you know people come see you live come see me live it's always a different experience because we're doing a lot of crowd work we're talking to the audience and and so i i encourage people if they want to come see me live then go to mazjobrani.com and see all the dates and i'm constantly touring so well, where, where, see them. Where, where are you at next uh, uh well i'm doing denver the first weekend of june and then i'm doing calgary again uh in june and then i go to australia to do five uh, four cities in australia and then auckland new zealand and then i'm doing hawaii and then i'm going back into the like in the fall i'll start you know with uh 
Boston and LA and New York and all these other. Dude, places. I might so, I might just be missing you in all those dates because I'm in I'm in Hawaii uh, second week in July seven eight nine. So yeah, you're you're there a couple weeks before I get to the Blue Note, right? Is that where you're <laughs> yeah, going? Dude. Yeah, we're doing the same. We're on the same circuit, bro. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. So what I yeah. what I need you to do is I need you to hide something in the green room that oh, I, yeah. that I have to find. Yeah. And then when I look at your schedule and I'm somewhere before you, I'm going to hide yeah. some shit and make sure that... Let's <laughs> not, do it, not bro. drugs or anything. Something silly. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, I, Maz, you know, it was great talking to you. And, and it's weird. I tell people all the time, you know, the, you know, they go, oh, my God, do you know this comedian? You know, I'll just use Joe Coy for an example. Oh, my God, do you yeah. know Joe Coy? And I'm like, I spent eight years of my life every single day with these people. Yes, yeah. yes, I know them. So when we get yeah. to catch up like this, yeah, it, it's really cool. And, and it's also fun, as you know, man, when you see those guys on those posters, like you said, and go, oh, man, look who's doing great, you know? And yeah, I'm one of those people that I'll, you'll never hear me talk poorly about comedians um, in general because I think we're all in a, a club and, and it is very, very difficult uh, to do what we do. And man, I, I think there's a comedian needed for everybody, every style, every genre, you know. Absolutely. And I've always said it's, it, even though it's an individual sport, I think it's also an ensemble. Like their success is our success. Cause as your buddies move up, if there's a movie or there's a part or there's a project or whatever, they're calling each other up. Hey man, I need you to come do this. Hey, can you come do that? And it's fun. It's fun to be able to see other success and also, it's great when we get together and get a chance to perform on the same stage. So hopefully, we'll cross paths one of these days soon and uh, and get a chance to catch up in person. But I appreciate you having me yeah. on, man. And what's even trippier, just I'll let you go right after this, but what's even trippier to me is all the different paths. Yeah. You know, to see guys that we were doing comedy with and all of a sudden you're like, what happened, man? Where'd you go? Oh, man, I'm a showrunner. Oh, wow. yeah. good for you, man. Or... You know, it breaks my heart to hear that Al Madrigal quit doing stand-up. But yeah. amazing actor. And he's doing amazing yeah. things on the screen. So it, it's beautiful, yeah. man. And, and I, I wish you continued success. And congratulations on your life and your career and just being a good man. So I, I appreciate you, Maz. Right back at you. And uh, enjoy every moment with those kids. And uh, don't worry about missing out on a weekend. It's... Uh... Steven Spielberg ain't going to be there. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Uh, All right, Steve. Take care.